When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why to practice mise en place, and we define mise en place, and why I'm so passionate about canvas tote bags. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, and I have to say I'm a little unhappy that I won't be seeing Elizabeth and her family for Christmas this year. It's an off year, so she will not be in Kansas City. That's right. I will be in Whittier. (laughs) Also fun. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, happy birthday. Today is your birthday. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. What a nice sister for remembering. Yeah. I I don't think I remember to send you something, but uh, (laughs) I've sent you surprise (laughs) gifts in the mail, so that'll have to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, you've sent me some cool surprise gifts, so that will do. Um, now, Elizabeth, we are going to do something very uh, fun for the new year. We're partly, partly inspired by our cool outpouring of Spotify um, suggestions and how fun that was to see what everybody picked and how what like a happiness booster it was. For January, we want to do this thing where everybody um, can join us for a happier 2017 on Instagram. So now we're going to try something on Instagram. So you and I are going to share a photo every day of something that is boosting our happiness, helping us with our good habits, filling us with gratitude, any kind of happiness boosting thing. Um, So follow us on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin. 
and at Liz Craft. And it's Liz Craft, right, Elizabeth? Yes, Liz okay. Craft. Yeah, because Elizabeth sometimes, she has a lot of, uh, uh, you have a lot of AKAs. I go back and forth. Yes. Yeah, you could have many iterations of your name. Um, so share a photo every day of something that helps to make you happier. Um, tag us and use the hashtag happier2017. And so what's going to be great about this is we'll see what you're posting. You'll see what we're posting under the hashtag happier2017. And then you'll also get to see what everybody else is posting, too. So um, I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah, I'm excited for this. And I'm real. I never do Instagram. So this is going to be my dive into Instagram where now I'm going to be all about Instagram. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. It's really fun to use. It's like it's very targeted kind of uh, kind of thing. Um, now, and Alyssa, also, um, you haven't like given us an update on your work situation in a while. Like, where are you in your work? Because it's like it's so full of uh, suspense and twists and turns. What's going on? Yeah, um, Gretch, I'm in development season and it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we're kind <laughs> of, um, I guess, like maybe, I don't know, mile 15 of the marathon right now. Um, in a place where we've, uh, you know, I, I think I've mentioned on the podcast that Sarah and I are doing a pilot with Marsha Clark, um, uh, for NBC and we're, um, in the phase where we've written the script, which we love, I must say, um, (laughs) and we're waiting to hear if NBC is going to make the pilot and we'll Mm -hmm. find that out in January. Um, so we're kind of just sending a lot of good vibes that direction. Um, and then, if we make the pilot, we'll make it, um, you know, February, March. So um, it's a long process and one that has much anxiety attached to it. But it's been a great experience. So, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, we got, we'll all cross our fingers for you. So that's, it's so exciting. It sounds so glamorous. Whenever you describe what you're doing at work, it sounds so incredibly just like you read about, you know, development season. If you saw me in the Disney um, commissary and sweat, I know, hoodie, I know, like I know, praying I don't run into <laughs> any executives, you would not say that. I know it's that disconnect between how it sounds and what it's like in real life. Um, so, listen, this week, uh, our try this at home tip is a little bit of a struggle because it's going to require a slight French accent, <laughs> um, which I cannot do, but that is to practice mise en place. And I'm not 100% sure that we're using the phrase exactly properly or pronouncing it properly, but it is to practice mise en place. Mm, Yes. Cooks talk about mise en place, which is French for put in place or everything in its place. Mise en place describes the preparation that's done before the actual cooking. So it's gathering ingredients and uh, cooking implements, chopping, measuring, just getting all everything in place so that you can just cook. And uh, I learned about the notion of mise en place watching Top Chef, which is a show on Bravo, my favorite network, um, (laughs) where... Uh, chefs come and compete against each other for the title of Top Chef. Ah. And every episode, they have a quickfire challenge. And one of the classic quickfire challenges is um, they split them into teams and they have to compete on who could finish their mise en place faster. Let's hear a clip. All right, chefs. So please go and stand with your team. Salt here and pepper over there. All right. Pepper. Your quick fire today is the infamous, classic, mise en place relay race. 
is impossible. It means things in place. Things kind of like cut and chop and ready to go and organized. Your teams will go head to head in a race to see who can prep a series of ingredients the fastest. Check. Done. <laughs> None of us has probably done prep for quite a while. Things that we were doing when we were apprenticing, right? And what I love about Mise en Place is it really carves out a place for preparation. So it's preparation. It's also sort of a state of mind that you're in. You, you're getting everything ready. You're gathering everything that you could possibly need. You're putting it all around you. You're putting it in its place. And so there's not any, you don't, you're not needing to dart off to make a trip to the store or like a, make a frantic search for your measuring cup um, or, you know, looking for the knife you like. It's like you're getting everything ready. And it's really saying that stage deserves its own name and its own respect because preparation um, is really important. Yeah, of course, since you and I really don't cook, we're not (laughs) actually talking about this in relation to cooking. We are talking about this in relation to life in general, right? Yeah, yeah. Anytime you've got a task that needs to be complete, getting your mise en place in order um, will help you complete your task. Yeah, Elizabeth, you're exactly right. And this comes up for me, like I realized. So I do this thing where I will um, personalize and sign book plates and signature cards for people if they're in the U.S. and Canada. Um, and if you want a, uh, a signed personalized book plate or, plate or signature card, I will put a link on happiercast.com slash 95. But it's kind of it's a whole production because I have to have envelopes and return address and stamps and the signature cards and the place and the, the right pen. Yeah, the right pen, the book plates, the list of the requests with the names that people want. It's like it's a whole big thing. But now I have this like sort of it's like a kit where everything's gathered together and it can just like plunk it down in front, uh, you know, at a desk and everything that I need is there. And so when I work, I can just be extremely efficient. Whereas I know if I had to like run around and get this pen and get these envelopes, like it would just seem like so much more of a hassle. But there's something very pleasing about having it all in the same place in sort of this little bucket. And I just pick up my bucket Mm -hmm. and then I'm ready to go. I love it. Yeah, I do this with writing, Gretch. Um, I have, I sort of get all my tools in place, like the chefs. What (laughs) What are your writing tools? So Gretchen, I usually write at home. Yeah. Uh, Sarah and I split stuff up and I go home and I write there and I uh, my routine is I go into our bedroom and I make the bed and I know I'm supposed to make the bed every day per your happiness uh, <laughs> advice. Yes. yes. Uh, but I don't always. So if the bed isn't made, I make the bed, I get on the bed, I gather what I need, which is my laptop. And uh-huh. I plug in the, I, I have it unplugged on the bed, but then I plug in the cord near the bed so that whenever I get up and take a break, I can plug it in and charge it. Uh-huh. I get, um, you know, my script, a pen, probably the outline of whatever I'm writing. And most importantly, uh, my icebreakers. Oh, I have to have icebreakers. Well, these are these, which are mints. Yeah, uh, did people know them? I don't know, but I, I'm upset. You got me hooked on icebreakers. Cinnamon, strawberry, love icebreakers. Yeah, yeah. I have. I like the blue kind. I'll rattle them. I have them here too. <laughs> uh, I like the cool mint. Yeah. Um, and I always have them by my side. And then I also, of course, I have a beverage, either coffee or diet coke, or you know. Diet Dr. Pepper, whatever I'm, whatever I'm drinking at the moment. Um, but it just gets me settled to start writing. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it's funny how it's easy to overlook the preparation and just think, oh, I should just start right in. But I also think if you're suffering from procrastination, sometimes if you say like, well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to tell myself that I'm going to start working yet. I'm just going to get everything ready. I'm just going to do my mise en place. Mm. And then I'm sort of like, I'm going to count that as like, I get credit for that. And then if you get everything there, you know, if you have your your phone and your mint and your plug and your bed is made and everything, then I feel like the transition into actually working gets a lot easier. Whereas if your mise en place is not done, it can just feel so overwhelming to even think about starting work that it's easy to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing it back. Like I know with my book plates, if I had to run around and get everything in order, I would constantly be procrastinating because it just would feel like so much work just to get ready to work. Whereas if you say say that the mise en place is done separately, then it just, I don't know, it, it's like removes that hurdle from it. Yeah, and there's almost, because it's called mise en place, there's like an elegance to it. It feels yes. very sophisticated. Yes. You know, even if yes. what you're doing, yes. like let's say you need to clean the house and you're getting out your vacuum <laughs> and your Windex, it you know yes. may not actually be elegant, but, you know, you can put a nice little spin on it. Yeah, you get a little French touch to it. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. And, and, and there's something, and it's also like it counts as its own step. You know, it's like maybe you could even if you're a to do list maker, like you could have that be on the to do. You could get double credit for something because it's like you've got your mise en place and then you've got your actual thing doing. And, you know, um, and they just it just makes it easier. And I think I also think it's more fun. And one of the things you really see with cooking is a great illustration of this is when everything is right there arrayed at your fingertips. Then the cooking part seems so much more fun because then you're really focusing on the cooking. And it's kind of like the surgeon where people are just snapping the instruments into his or her hand as, you know, as as the surgery is progressing. Like there's something about you just feel so um, efficient and it feels so satisfying because you can just move forward quickly. There's not all this delay and kind of minor aggravation of like, where are the scissors? And oh, this pen is dry. Where's my other pen? Or I can't find my Canadian stamps (laughs) or all that stuff is done. You know, you've got your diced onions or your paprika. (laughs) It's just ready. It's ready for you. Mise en place. So let us know if you tried this at home and how mise en place works for you and, and what you what you applied your mise en place to, if like that's even a grammatical way to use the term. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 95 for anything related to this. And again, if, you, if you're in the U.S. and Canada and you want to request a signed personalized book plate or signature card for you or someone else, I will put the link on happiercast.com slash 95. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to StoryWorth.com slash happier. That's StoryWorth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. 
LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So Gretchen. Your passion for canvas tote bags. What is the happiness <laughs> hack related to canvas tote bags? Well, this is another travel-related happiness hack. Last week, we had a travel-related happiness hack. And this is about canvas totes. Now, if you're like me, like you constantly are getting these very lightweight, inexpensive canvas totes as sort of promotional gifts. You know, like you go to a conference or you go to like certain kinds of parties or whatever, and they have a can't and you you end up with a canvas tote bag. So we have about seventy five of these canvas tote bags, <laughs> and it, it's sort of di- different. Some zip, some don't, some don't zip. Some are big, some are smaller, whatever. And what I realized is that they they fold up very small. They're very light. And what I've started doing now is anytime I travel, even if I'm only traveling overnight, I always pack a, a canvas tote bag. And this is why it takes no space or weight mm-hmm. to have a canvas tote bag but i had noticed uh, and finally like 3 years later i i noticed this pattern that often i would be in a situation where i'm like i just wish i had like a canvas tote bag that i could stick over my arm for instance elizabeth when you and i were in seattle to do um our live event it was kind of a rainy day and we want i wanted to take two umbrellas with us when we were going out to get our hair blown out mm-hmm. and i thought well, if I had a canvas tote bag, I could just stick the two like collapsible umbrellas into this tote bag and carry it. It would be no problem. But otherwise, it's like, okay, what am I? We just have to carry these umbrellas. It just seemed like a pain. So often, I realized I just wish I had like a little bag I could throw over my arm. And now I take it with me, and it makes me so happy. Yeah, I think this is an awesome hack because I are there have been dozens, if not hundreds, of times when I have wished <laughs> I had a bag. Yeah. You know, separate from a purse, you know, a bag for a book, sunscreen, whatever. And I am going to start packing. And you're talking about the really light canvas tote bags, the ones that are just like air. Yeah. The ones that you just get for free, you know, or like you get them at school or not a nice heavy bag that would take up space. But yeah, just those little canvas. They're just something to dump something in. Gretchen, we should have a uh, happier tote bag, canvas tote bag. Oh, my gosh. That is such a brilliant idea. We absolutely should do a happier tote bag. If you're obsessed with mugs, I'm obsessed with canvas tote bags. So (laughs) it has to happen. Excellent. Excellent. We'll keep you posted. Yeah. Now, Elizabeth, now we're going to talk about a happiness stumbling block. And we just introduced this French cooking term, mise en place. And now I want to introduce um, another term uh, from my legal education, the tragedy of the commons. Ooh, I like the sound of that. I have no idea what it means. Okay, so the tragedy of the commons is something that you learn about in law school. And it has that name because of a common example of what is considered to be a tragedy of the commons. So 
Let us say that there are a bunch of farmers in England and they have their cows grazing in the commons, which is like, you know, the common land. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, is that if if they're all letting their cows graze in the commons, they'll let their cows graze as much as they want to. And then the land would become overgrazed. And so then it would be in really bad condition. Mm. And so the tragedy of the commons is a phrase that's used anytime there's a situation where there's a bunch of people who are sharing a resource and where all the individuals acting independently will use that resource in a way that ultimately is bad for the resource and bad for everybody in the group. So as you can imagine, this is something that might come up with fishing or pollution. Um, whenever there's a shared resource and people are kind of coming to it individually and extracting the value individually from the shared resource. And then like in everyday life, how does this apply? Well, I think the way that it probably most often comes up is the office kitchen. You know, you need to beware mm. the tragedy of the messy commons <laughs> kitchen. Um, because when several people are using one place, people can tend to become messy and careless and just kind of use it in the way that they want to, but they don't really put any time or effort into maintaining the resource as a whole. For sure, this is in any office I've ever been in, in LA, (laughs) um, the whole mug situation, you know, it's like everybody uses mugs and then puts them in the sink and nobody feels the need to (laughs) put them in the dishwasher or wash them by hand, depending on the situation. And it gets to a point where we just have a bunch of disgusting mugs. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think I was probably the office fridge, too. Oh, it's kind of a similar situation. Yes. I was just I went to a I don't want to say who it was, but it was in case they're embarrassed about their about what they did. But anyway, they were t- I was went to this talk at this this company. A very, very elegant company. I will just leave it at that. And they were explaining to me just in passing how they had they had so much trouble with their mugs and nobody was being responsible with the mugs that they took the mugs away for two weeks mm. and they had no office mugs because they're like, if you can't learn to be responsible with your mugs, you can't use your mugs. And so they took them away and then everybody like complained bitterly and now they have their mugs again and people are being more uh, being more considerate. But it's a thing that comes up. Yeah. It's a tragedy of the commons. I mean, I just say I would be one of the guilty parties here. I like I am someone who will overuse something if it's a shared, you know, thing or not pay, pay attention to the maintenance. I mean, I'm sure Adam would say um tragedy of the commons is like a defining <laughs> Um, thing in our house because I am that person who doesn't feel the need to go, oh, look at all of this mess. I should stop and clean it up. I just kind of assume it'll get cleaned up. <laughs> and um, I probably doesn't even rise to the level of me thinking about it. But um, I'm definitely someone who who is not doing my part. Well, but see, I think this is part of the 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 kind of the amb- ambiguity that's related to the tragedy of the messy commons, which is that it's not always clear to people what their duties are. Um, maybe it's mm. different at your house because it's like there's two grownups and like whatever. But um, like if you're in the office, it's like, well, what is expected of you? And like and sometimes like there's the big signs, like some office kitchens that I've seen have like massive signage about defining everybody's duties and obligations. And I think it does help when there's some system for what should people do. So whether it's taking turns or giving people specific assignments um, or saying, you know, like everybody's expected to clean up their own mess. That never works. That never (laughs) works. Why doesn't it? See, this I wonder if this is where the four tendencies come in, because if there's a sign saying like if there's no sign, 
I don't know what I would do, but if there was a sign saying what I was supposed to do, I think I would follow what the sign said. But I guess what happens is you have those rebels who don't, and then people see, well, they didn't, so I'm not going to. You know, if you have a whole group of upholders or obligers, I'm sure it'd be fine. But um, I think one thing is we hire production assistants in our offices, and I think next time I have to hire a production assistant, I should just say one of the duties of this job is washing the mugs every day. No, and I think that's great because it's all about setting expectations. Because if it's if if, yes. if someone, what 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 builds resentment is if you're like. All these people are slackers and they're inconsiderate and I'm the only one who does the mugs and it's not even my job. Then you feel very angry and resentful and that is not good. Or you're like, ooh, I'm free riding off of uh, like somebody else doing the mugs. I'm sneaking my mug into the into the sink with nobody when, when nobody's watching. I hope there's no surveillance camera. That's not good either. But if someone's like, this is just part of my job description, then then, OK, fine. You know, then you can either say I don't want to do it or I will do it or whatever. But the expectation is clear. So I think that's a really smart way to deal with it. So if people have an area in their life where they have a tragedy of the common situation, probably the best thing to do is just communicate with those around you and come up with a plan. Right. Yeah. And come up with a plan plan that everybody agrees to, because like because like we're saying, if there's a sign that says everybody clean up after themselves and then people just clearly aren't then that's not working um it's it's tricky i mean the tragedy the con- it's it's a tricky thing because each individual person thinks well you know what's one mug you know that's the one coin loophole what's one mug um but then pretty soon nobody can even use the sink because it's so full of mugs mm-hmm. <laughs> another metaphor uh, yeah <laughs> So now it's time for a listener question. Um, You can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 or easier to remember, it's 77-HAPPY-336 or you can write us a question at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Two ways to reach us. Yes, and this week's listener question comes from Sylvia in Atlanta. And before we get to Sylvia's question, here's a little bit of context. Um, a while back, a listener had asked for uh, suggestions for wedding readings. And so we asked and we got so many great suggestions for wedding readings that um, I actually put it together in a like nice PDF. And you can email us at podcast at if you want the PDF of wedding readings. But this inspired Sylvia to ask another question. Yes, Sylvia had an idea about how we could all help each other in a similar way with funerals. So she writes, one of the things I do at my church is help with funerals. It would be so lovely if there was a list of good readings for funerals. The default is the 23rd Psalm, which is nice, but I wish I could point people to a list so that the reading is more personal. One that is particularly poignant is W.H. Auden's Funeral Blues, which is really appropriate for a sudden death, but that is not always appropriate for older folks. Gretchen, um, let's listen to uh, a clip from the movie Four Weddings and a Funeral, where the actor John Hanna reads the Auden poem Funeral Blues. Stop all the clocks. Cut off the telephone. Prevent the dog from barking with a juicy bone. Silence the pianos and with muffled drum, bring out the coffin. Let the mourners come. Let the aeroplanes circle moaning overhead, scribbling on the sky the message, he is dead. Put crepe bows round the white necks of the public doves. Let traffic policemen wear black cotton gloves. 
He was my north, my south, my east and west. My working week and my Sunday rest. My noon, my midnight, my talk, my song. I thought that love would last forever. I was wrong. The stars are not wanted now. Put out everyone. Pack up the moon and dismantle the sun. Pour away the ocean and sweep up the wood. For nothing now can ever come to any good. Yeah, I mean, Gretchen, you and I are both writers and we've um, written things to read at funerals. But obviously for a lot of people, um, that's just, you know, not something they're going to be comfortable doing. And I think if you if we have access to the right reading, it can express what you want to say. Right. Whether it's it might be a song lyric, it could be a poem, it could be some lines from a movie. But sometimes like I remember for you and me, like it was you're so overwhelmed and shocked. It's hard to find the words sometimes. And we had each other and we're both professional writers and it was hard for us. So I think this could be a real resource for people who want to find the thing that will express what they want to say. But it's hard for them in a time of sort of loss to put those words together themselves. Yeah. And I think another thing to remember is it doesn't have to be something incredibly sad. There can be humor in it and lightness and, you know, evoking um, just some of the joy, too, of having known a person. Right, right. And sometimes those are really wonderful moments of funerals is when everybody starts laughing about someone's quirk or somebody's passion or... um, Yeah, you're right. It doesn't have to be kind of a classic funeral reading. It could just be something that, that just seems appropriate for that kind of occasion. So thank you so much, Sylvia, for suggesting this. I hope we get um, a lot of great suggestions from people. Send it to us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And uh, hopefully we'll get a lot of great suggestions and I'll make a PDF like I did with the wedding readings. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, listen, it's time for demerits and gold stars. And uh, I, as I remember last year, you gave yourself a demerit related to Jack's birthday party. And this year, you've got another one. Uh, what is it? What? Yes. Yes. So, Gretchen, I said happy birthday to you. And I also have to say happy birthday to my son, Jack. It's in a couple days. Yeah, we have almost the same birthday. Um. Okay. Big parent fail here. Mommy malpractice, as you like to say. <laughs> You know, I schedule, I have to schedule Jack's birthday party like months, weeks, months in advance because all these places where we have parties book up. Yeah. Um, and so I scheduled it a long time ago and it also had to be in conjunction with other December birthdays in his class so that we don't have competing birthday parties. So yes. it's a whole f- to do. Well, I did not realize that there was a school program the same, at the same time that I scheduled Jack's party because he wasn't part of the program. You know, some of the kids are in these programs and some aren't. Mm. 
And so I sent out the invitation. I started getting all these RSVPs that people couldn't come because of this program. Uh, and at first I was like, okay, maybe it's a few people. That's okay. But then it was just more and more people. And then people who had RSVP'd yes were saying, oh, I didn't realize that's at the time of the program. We can't come. Ah. Uh, and so, and he's late doing laser tag for his birthday where, you know, you need a bunch of people for laser tag. So Adam and I had to sit down and tell him what had happened. And mm -hmm. he was sobbing because um, he was so excited about his birthday party. And I just felt horrible. I mean, there's nothing like you're like, oh, my God, I did this, you know, 100 <sighs> percent my fault. I can't find anyone else to blame uh, much as I would like to. Anyway, we've now moved the party to a different date. And we're taking Jack to Legoland on the day that would have been his birthday party. So we've we've salvaged the situation and he will have his birthday party. But I it's just like I wish I had thought to check the school calendar because December is such a busy time. Yeah, I could have anticipated that there might be a conflict in December, um, which is why it's, as you know, very hard to have a December birthday it anyway. Is. It is. But anyway, that's my um, happiness demerit. Okay. Well, last year when you gave yourself a demerit, you gave yourself a demerit because you didn't write handwritten thank you notes to the 25 six-year-olds who came to Jack's party. And I contested that demerit. And that was turned out to be a hugely controversial move on my yes. part. We had to do a deep dive into thank you notes in episode 67. And I am again going to contest your demerit here. Not, I totally agree that it was a problem and you had to fix it. But I, A, think you should get a, yourself a gold star because it was all this additional work to reschedule it. And also, I don't think you should give yourself a demerit for not having thought to change, to check the, count, the calendar. It would have been great if you had and you would have saved yourself a lot of anguish and like live and learn and next year you will do it. But I don't think it's a demerit because I just think it was an honest oversight. Like, I don't think that is mommy malpractice. I think that's just, okay. I just think, I just think it was too bad. It was just unfortunate. Well, maybe you're right. This is maybe why I hate I'll scheduling just, things because I'm yeah. always like, whatever I pick, it's going to be the worst possible date. Whatever I buy those airplane tickets can be super inconvenient. Whenever I schedule this thing, it's going to end. I mean, yeah, it sort of makes you not want to ever schedule anything, which is bad. And it's like, but you fixed it. So I think you should get a gold star. Okay. Well, thank you. I'll take the gold <laughs> star. Um, I'll see you that demerit and I'll raise you a gold star. And we're both wiser now. Check the yes. school calendar too. <laughs> I am going to get this birthday party thing down. Eventually, Gretch, it's, it's all going to be, it's all going to work out. I'm going to like have the perfect party on the perfect day. I'm going to send notes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have the great flavor and the perfect cake. And it's all going to come together at some point. Just not at age 17. Day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, what's your gold star? Okay, well, I saw also sort of have like a kind of uh, slightly um, a conditional gold star. I'm giving myself mm. a half a gold star mm. for as a better late than never gold star. Okay. So, and this is related to the flu vaccine. Um, so, one of the things I've learned from all my habits research is that if there's something that you want to get yourself to do like once a year, you should have a triggering event or you should have something that it's not like, oh, I'm just going to get the flu vaccine for me and my family. It's like Labor Day. Labor Day is like when I start thinking or like first day of school, which is those are always happen in the same week. Now it's time to get the flu vaccine. So, yes, the first semester is over and we only just now got the flu vaccines. <laughs> and um, I know why I delayed, which is because this year 
you couldn't get the flu mist. You had to get the flu vaccine. You had to get the shot. Mm. And I thought, and Eleanor hates getting shots. And I just kept putting it off and putting it off because I thought she'd be like super fussy about it. And then finally I said to her, honey, we really have to just get the flu shots because it's ridiculous how long it's been. And then she's like, well, if I have to, I have to. And she was completely fine with it. <laughs> so I can't believe that I, and it was fine. Nobody got the flu, but um, I just really, I, I, it was, I, next year I'm going to do a better job of doing it like in that zone when I say I'm going to. So half a gold star for getting it done. And then the other half is a bit of a demerit for delaying. <laughs> And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Practice mise en place. (laughs) Let us know if you tried it, how you tried it, doing what did you try it for, and how it worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review us. And I have to self-promotingly suggest the holidays are coming up. And if you're trying to think of a gift for someone in your life, I would love to suggest one of my books, The Happiness Project, Happier at Home, Better Than Before, or my page-a-day calendar, or my one-sentence journal, or my day-by-day journal. There's a ton of happier stuff out there if you want to give something as a gift. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. <laughs>